Welcome to Friars on the Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan, and coming to you live via Skype again is Roy. Roy. Hey, what's going on, Donovan? We are- Long time to see you. Right. <laughs> Episode number 82, we're here with you. Uh, later on, we're going to have Jeff Lance from MILB, and my conversation with him. Uh, we talked about his career. We talked about the 120 plan in depth. Um, I tried to go, you know- it, 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 I tried to go, I tried to play a little bit of the devil's advocate without having him throw a punch at me. I mean, obviously he's not going to throw a punch, but trying to be respectful. So I did ask him a few questions on, um, you know, on being like, are you guys, is there any push? Is there any way you guys can come somewhere in the middle of that 42 teams that MLB has asked for? And he's like, nope. I'm like, okay. All right. And then from there, we actually went into actual solutions in how to, how to have, you know, the revenue sharing, not necessarily revenue sharing in between leagues, but maybe that ticket tax that they send $20 million a year to Major League Baseball, maybe that can go back into a super fund and then it can be dispersed between all the teams. Or maybe they can raise up the, the ticket tax, another nickel or, or a dime or whatever. And really, it could be a nickel or a dime for it to have that much of an effect. But we didn't, went through a bunch of stuff. We went through his, uh, his career. It's really cool, but stay tuned for that. But batting leadoff. I believe, if Instagram is correct, Nate Easley is playing in Panama. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. It looks like Nate Easley has a new little little baby, too. Yeah, well, and that's where I got confused, because I saw it on the Instagram. He's like, the American, you know, and he's playing for the Federales at Panama. And then, like, a couple hours later, or the next day, I see video of, of his little baby being pushed around, and I'm like, okay, was he there? Or is that something from the wife? I don't know. I just, but it looks like he's playing. Well, good for him. Um, if just in case you're curious, his father Damian Easley was born in New York. Um, I, I don't know what their heritage is. I don't know if there's any connection to Panama in particular. Uh, but I'm at least glad to see the guys getting some some winter ball work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, so that's kind of cool. Moving on, kind of just some little nuts and bolts of minor league baseball. Mackenzie Gore and Ty France made the All MILB team i guess now that mlb had their all mlb team to make up for people that didn't make the all-star game or whatever um are we really surprised by this (laughs) well they had to put kirby yates in there i mean like the guy had the best he had the best reliever career of the year a year of a a season of anyone yeah but he didn't win the trevor hoffman award yeah that is a very big sticking point. I think for um, national media, just as much of us Padre fans as well. Uh, that's all right. We're still allowed to be salty about it. But he's still me. He's the all MLB team. Josh Hader did not make the first team, first all MLB team. Yeah. He's so, a backup. Yeah. So going on to more winter ball, uh, Bill Center tweeted, uh, right fielder Taylor Callaway is hitting 288. He had a win for four and an RBA and a run scored in the Australia. In Australia, um, Johnny Hamza is hitting 250. Uh, funny thing about Johnny Hamza is uh, I was on Twitter the other day and he plays for the uh, the Tora Tora, the New Zealand Tora Tora. Tour. I think I'm I'm probably butchering that. It's a lizard. Tora Tora. It's actually. 
Yes. It's actually classified. It's its own class of reptile. It's not a lizard. It's not a crocodile or, or, or yeah, it is. It is a separate classification of reptile. The it's one of the it's one of the oldest ex existing animals. It, it dates back like a couple hundred million years. It's a very interesting uh, animal. Well, New Zealand and Australia, that whole part of the world is is ancient. It broke off a long time ago and still stayed above water. Um, but also, I was texting. I'm just curious how so many animals evolved to have pouches. So, like, they have dogs with marsupial pouches. They have. I mean, it's like they have every version of what we have, only with a pouch. A pouch, right? What is it? <laughs> Very interesting. Welcome to Discovery Channel podcast. We're going to discuss marsupials. Uh, they also so have duckbill platypuses. My theory here is that everything there wants to kill you. Right. And so they can't just leave babies in the nest. They have to keep the babies in their pouch so nothing kills them. Yes. I mean, they have ants. They have eight of the top ten deadly snakes. Um, ants that jump and bite you and shoot lasers out of their mandibles. They're just, it's, you're right. Everything there can kill you. Um, you mentioned the platypus. Do you know that the platypus is the only venomous mammal? Yeah. It's got a little hook in the back of its, uh, like, back by its back foot. Yeah, and it can shoot venom into you. The only the only mammal that can do that. Yeah. Yeah, like everything in Australia. Even if you can't eat uh, eucalyptus, eucalyptus will get you sick. Anyway, right. to get back to the, my original thought was Johnny Hamza, I was texting with the Toa Tora. The Toa Tora? the New Zealand team he's playing for, and they're like, we love him here. So I think he's doing really well. I think he's liked with the fans. Um, they were, they said they loved him. He's doing great. And uh, I thought that was a little small interaction with those guys. Uh, that was kind of cool. Cause I'm like, yeah, we love Johnny Hamza. He's from Alaska. He's like on the absolute opposite end of the world than you guys are. Well, they can borrow him, but they have to give him back. They will give him back. Uh, and hopefully we'll see him uh, in the next year or two. Uh, going on, Jared Dale, who's, who's still having a rough time there. He's only hitting 0, 0.98. Um, that's all right. He, once again, he's very young. I think he's maybe 18. He, so he's playing way above his weight in, uh, in professional ball right now. Esteban Quiroz is hitting 250. Uh, he's down there. Um, no, Esteban Quiroz no, is in. Oh, he's not. He's playing for Mexico. Sorry. Yeah, he's playing alongside uh, alongside former Padre Luis Urias. That's right. For the um, God, the name of the team is eluding me. Is it Obregon? Oh yeah, Obregon. Yeah. So we had the Rule Five draft on the last day of the winter meetings. We uh, we didn't pick anyone else up, but the Padres lost Trevor McGill. He's uh, to the Cubs, twenty six year old right handed pitcher, seventh round. At her brother's first draft in 2015. Yeah, it's all right-hander. He's got a power fastball. He's got a breaking ball. He's got a slider. Um, interesting guy. The, the the nice thing here is that the Padres have so much depth that you can lose somebody like that, and it doesn't really sting all that much. But it sounds like Trevor McGill's a good guy, and hopefully he goes on to have a good career with the Cubs. Absolutely. And uh, we also lost Debbie Menendez. Mendez? He yeah, Debbie Mendez. Davey Mendes. He was picked up. He was picked up as a uh, as a free agent before last season. He's a little bit older. He's 24. Um, he played Tri Cities. He came up to Lake Elsinore at the end of the year. Uh, he's got a big fastball. He's got a pretty filthy slider. Has a hard time throwing strikes. That's a pretty common kind of a profile. Uh, but since that is in the AAA phase, he is theirs to keep. That's. Yeah. That's there's no uh, rule about you have to stay on a roster for the whole season or anything like that. In the minor league phase of the Rule Five, 
you select a player and he's yours for good. Which we did. So the Padres, the Padres selected Brady Feigl, the Rangers version of Brady Feigl. Um, and I find, so he's six foot four, red haired relief pitcher. He's got a beard. He wears glasses, right? Not a Have lot of guys seen- look like that, right? But one. Yeah, but there's somebody else that does. <laughs> so, have you seen the video where they went and they found the two guys? Yeah, yeah. So the two. So the other. The other Brady Feigl is also a six foot four relief pitcher, red hair, red beard, wears glasses, and pitches in the A's organization. And so you get the two guys side by side, and they look like brothers. Yeah. And I mean, even their mannerisms, the way they kind of talk and laugh and everything, you would think these guys are related, but uh, they did a DNA test and apparently they're not. Well, you know, they say there are only like seven facial, you know, seven basic facial structures uh, with the human race. So out of those seven, two of them that look just like each other play major league, you know, play, uh, play professional baseball. Yeah, that was really well, kind of, that was really kind of neat. I hope the Padres go out and get the other Brady Feigl just to make things really confusing. You know, then the, and put him in the minor leagues, obviously, and then you have some kind of like Twins Day for a promotion or a doppelganger day. Maybe it's a dog pet. Just there's limitless possibilities there with those guys in the minor league system. Um, <laughs> moving on to the 120 plan. So this last Friday, minor league baseball released a four-page memo. Uh, rebutting MLB's inaccurate claims of MILB's position on several areas. I mean, this thing was huge. And I'm not going to go, because we do talk a lot about it here with Jeff in my interview with him, but they just went, you know, section by section by section, you know, just, you know, rebutting everything that Major League Baseball said with the, you know, they've been going on buses. The irony about uh, players being on school buses, the only time that is absolutely happening is when they are in the affiliate, in the affiliates in, I think, Florida. So it's the. And, and in the Arizona. Teams, right. The teams owned by Major League Baseball are doing it. Um, yeah. And that's not where you're getting on a bus and you're driving for hours and hours. That's you get on a bus, you're driving across town. Yeah. Absolutely. You're going from Peoria to Scottsdale to go play the Giants, and then you're going to come home and sleep in your bed that night. It's a whole different thing than, uh, you know, getting on the bus in in Boise, Idaho, and riding eight hours right. to freaking Spokane, Washington, or whatever. So at the end of that, so then then Major League Baseball comes again with another release, and. This came from Bill Shaken of the LA Times. The quote is, if the National Association of Minor League Clubs has an interest in an agreement with Major League Baseball, it must address the very significant issues with the current system at the bargaining table. The statement read, otherwise MLB clubs will be free to affiliate with any minor league team or potential team in the United States, including independent league teams and cities which are not permitted to compete for an affiliate under the current agreement. I'm going to take my ball and go home. Is basically what exactly. that said. Yeah, they're they're saying screw you guys. We're going to do our own thing, and because they're threatening the same thing that they threatened yeah. to do back in what was it, nineteen ninety, yeah. when they said, "Fine then, forget it. We'll just, just have the whole minor league thing happen at the complexes, and you guys can run your own business." And it's it, it's such a contentious thing, and it's all being played out in the public, yeah. which nobody nobody wants to be doing this. It's just. If, 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 uh, freaking commissioner. Yeah. Well, and, and since then, even I think the day after that minor league baseball came out with a quote saying, talking about how contentious these, you know, 
playing this out in the media is a bad idea and kind of like step back a few of their really not not demanding of of any of the negotiating stuff but just like hey you know we don't mean to play this out in the media we'll get together and we'll work this out somehow and they kind of walked back from it being so you know so venomous yeah but that four page letter was fantastic it was really <laughs> point by point <laughs> Every argument that Major League Baseball's had, and it's like, no, you're wrong. This is why. No, yeah. you're wrong. This is why. We've complied with everything that we've been asked to do. We've gone above and beyond. We've reached out for help. Major League Baseball hasn't responded to this and that. It, they did a fantastic job of just shooting down every arguing point yeah. that Commissioner Manfred has thrown out there. Yeah. And it, it, it sucks that this is how it has to happen, uh, but I, I think the minor league – the Minor league baseball is looking like the good guy, and major league baseball is looking like the bad guy, which is yeah. what they want. Yeah, absolutely. You saw, well, you saw the undisputed, uh, was it an Instagram post for the minor league baseball player that goes, I no longer play minor league baseball, but for five years I did. And he goes in about the pay and the effect that it have on all these communities in uh, in the minor league cities. Just insane. So minor, Major League Baseball also has a quote on politicians getting involved because Bernie Sanders jumped right in because Major League Baseball went to Bernie, who was the mayor of in Vermont, that's home to the Vermont Lake Monsters. Um, and baseball, Major League Baseball assured him that they were not going to, you know, that this is the quote that came from all of this stuff. Man, it's just, it's really bad. You guys stick with me here. MLB has assured every public official who has contacted us that MLB will work diligently to preserve organized baseball in a compelling, fan-friendly format in every American city that currently has an affiliate. MILB has not made such a commitment. Oh, man. Because they're already there. You're going to put a dream league, an independent league, in these cities, which may not work. So how does that? How is that going to work? Okay, so you've got a minor league team, and you've got all the players and all the coaching staff that is paid by the parent, the the parent team, yeah. the major league organization. So the minor league team is responsible for the operations of the ballpark, yeah. the business side of all of that. Yeah. So all the revenue is paying for the stadium and the income. You know, paying all the the work that's there. So now. If you're going to remove the affiliation with the major league team and you're going to expect that same amount of revenue to cover what you're paying for now and also pay for the 26, 25, 30 players that are on the roster, all the coaches and all that support all. There's no way. Yeah, it, it just it just doesn't make any sense. Um, so there was a chat yesterday. So once a week, uh, Kylie McDaniel from Fangraphs has a chat. They have a, day, a chat just about every day, and his day is is Wednesday. So he was chatting yesterday. Somebody asked him about this. So I liked his quote. He said, I was talking to someone last night about how this doesn't really make sense for Major League Baseball. If they're cutting costs by putting teams and roster spots, then using much of that savings to get the PR moral win of paying the players more, then Major League Baseball is subsidizing the Dream Indie League instead of subsidizing the current minor league system, what is being accomplished here? And Manfred's public stance of bullying the minor leaguers is eating up whatever PR goodwill he'd get from paying the players more. Like, what is the end goal here? It seems to obviously be a negotiating tactic to leak an extreme plan and settle at the midpoint, but why 
why be so unlikable in an area where PR matters and play the public villain just to save a couple million when you could easily make more money in a less public way on the Major League Baseball payroll economics end of things? So he's suggesting that they take a small slice of what they're giving to the Major League players and just sprinkle that out among the 160 teams that are trying to make a living in minor league baseball where nobody's getting rich. No. It, it just makes much sense. It doesn't. So the other thing – Go on. Go, go on. ahead. Well, just So the other thing I saw today on The Athletic, there was a really good article by John Lott called In the Name of Efficiency, Why Towns Like Bluefield Fear Major League Baseball's Radical Plans for Minor League Baseball. It's a long article, um, and it talks about a team in West Virginia uh, that is in the – that's in the um, the Appalachian League, and they're struggling to draw attendance. They're not making a ton of money. They're one of the teams that are in the crosshairs of this for this 120 plan. But he breaks it down. He talks about the history behind the team, uh, the players that have come through there. Uh, he goes into the operations and the community around it, and this is a fantastic job of setting the scene of what's great about minor league baseball um, and promoting the game in a small town where people don't have access to major league baseball. It's, it's a really, really good article that I recommend. I know it's a subscription to, um, you have to pay to read articles on the athletic, but this is one of the best pieces I've seen on there, especially about this particular topic. Absolutely. And we talk about that in, with Jeff uh, where I think it's Elizabethan, Tennessee, Elizabethan twins. They had a choice to either, uh, you know, this is a, a town that has less than 12,000 people in it, and they had a million dollars to, A, they could have remodeled or, you know, they could have upgraded the police department or they could upgrade the the baseball field. And the city chose to upgrade the baseball field. It means that much to them. That team has been around forever. The oldest guy in my rec baseball team played Fort Elizabethan back in the day in the 80s. And that team has been there well before that. So when these when we talk about these communities that are losing what they have invested, yes, they have that money invested in the field. But it is that's how important it is. They're like, we'll push off the police department getting, you know, new facilities to make sure that the baseball team has somewhere better to play in. Um, it is that much. And, you know, this past winter meetings, what, Boris so $800 million in contracts? Why can't every major league team put point zero zero one of their budget? And every year, you know, the minor league team, it's like a grant system for a university. Hey, we need this upgrade. You know, I think in the beginning, you have a super fund through MLB to kind of get all these up to par. Mix it in with partial ownership money or whatever, but there should be primarily most of that money. You want them to play somewhere better, pay for it. That initial investment will go a long way with getting them up to where we think they should be, where Major League Baseball thinks they should be. And then going forward, every every Major League team has a certain amount of money they have to be able to dole out, or not even dole out, but have potential to give uh, down to each affiliate. And I mentioned that to Jeff, and you know, other teams like the Yankees could probably spend a lot more. Well, it should there should be a cap on that, um, where the money is every year. There's a budget, you know, but it's point zero zero one, you know, several hundred thousand dollars, maybe a million dollars a year for an organization's affiliates. I mean, maybe more than that, but still, that's not a lot of money that puts that you can put forward to 
to keeping these, you know, to keep them up to snuff. Yeah, and, and we're not talking about, like, grandiose, you know, complete re- renovating right. brand new stadium and all this. No, you're talking about one year, okay, put a new hidden cage in Tri-Cities. Uh, redo the press box. Next year, you do you redo the press box in Lake Elsinore. You know, and then you look at a field like Parkview, and you look at it, you go, there's nothing. They don't need anything. Okay, well, let's right. divert the money to the people that do. Right. Because there, there are organizations out there that are making money, and on the international, the independent side, you do have teams like um, like Sugarland and Saint Paul that have state of the art facilities. They've got good, strong attendance. It's independent baseball; they can still pay their players, and they're successful. But most of international or uh, independent baseball is not that. Right. It's these guys are not getting paid. You know, it's like maybe they're getting paid 50 bucks a week and they've got side jobs and all this. Cause they're just trying to chase a dream. It, it's not a, it's not in this today's market. It's not a, uh, a profitable business. No, no, but major league baseball is horribly profitable. Right. So just share the wealth a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, we, that really comes through talking to Jeff. So you guys, uh, stay tuned for that. It's a really cool interview. Uh, we go over his career, and then we go deep into the 120 plan. Uh, it's incredibly interesting. At least it's interesting to me. So and me and Roy. So um, stay tuned for that. But first, but, but first, we need to tell you about your friend Travis Ehlers. Yes, Travis. Okay, so we did the Travis Ehlers, 14 years in the business. He's a sports chiropractic. Sports Thank you. Sports chiropractic physician, 14 years in the business. He specializes in sports injuries and prevention. He works in high school, college. All the local pro athletes come to him, come to his business. Uh, he goes to the NFL Combine every year. He's kept me on the field and at work. Uh, I'm walking r- almost upright. <laughs> I'm walking almost upright because of him. He has certainly uh, saved me from the years of sciatica I had before um, – before he came on my team and I realized that what a chiropractor can do, um, give him a call at 844-627-4763. I'll go to com. That is D-R-T-R-A-V-I-S-E-H-L-E-R-S.com. Now, now stay tuned for Jeff Lance and me. We're here at the winter meetings at the Hilton Bayfront Hotel with uh, Jeff Lance, the director of minor league baseball communication. Jeff, I want to say thank you so much for for giving us the access to... um, to the winter meetings and um, directing us to Major League Baseball for a larger access. And um, our podcast covers the Padres minor league system and minor league baseball uh, larger issues uh, in minor league baseball. So we love the COPA stuff. Mm-hmm. We, um, we, we, we love the, the affiliate shuffles. I'm not sure if that's <laughs> good for you guys, but I know for us, it's at least it gives us something to talk sure. about. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, you know, in broader terms and in just other stuff, but we'll get into that in a minute. But first, I want to talk about you. Where did you grow up? How did you get into minor league baseball? And tell us that story. Yeah. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, you know, I I grew up going to baseball games. My my dad was a high school coach, and so I was going to practice with him when I was little. And I I always loved the game of baseball. And 
uh, you know, he would take me to minor league games. We had Cedar Rapids was 30 minutes away, so we had the Giants back when I was real little, and then they went to the right. Reds, and then uh, they ended up becoming uh, Angels and then Twins affiliate. But uh, I just had just fell in love with baseball at minor league games. It's always been something that I've really, really enjoyed, and I've told a few people this week that, you know, when I got my driver's license, my buddies and I, we'd, you know, we'd tell my parents that I was going over to my buddy's Troy's house, and Troy would tell his parents that he was going to my house, and oh. we'd hop in the car and, and drive an hour to the minor league game in Clinton or Quad Cities or Burlington, and, you know, if they didn't check the gas gauge in the car, they'd have no idea. So, oh my God, you know, that's, that's right. how much we loved minor league baseball when we were growing up, and and it's just, uh, you know, when it was time to go to college, I, I wanted to keep playing baseball and, and you know, see... I knew I wasn't going to be a player right. after college, but right. you know, it also gives you an opportunity to see other ways to stay in the game. And you know, I knew the there's obviously the baseball operations path. You know, a lot of a lot of kids these days want to be the next Theo Epstein, but yeah, you know, that's uh, I I sought the advice of a lot of people when I was in college and got some ideas. And one of the you know one of the guys said, hey, you know, when if you're in baseball operations and the GM gets fired everybody gets fired and if you're the public relations guy you're usually in pretty good shape like really? they don't fire the pr people so i was like huh I, you know every time we went to a game my dad would buy me the program so i could flip through it and see who all the players were and then you know for the week after that game i'd sit there and you know look through that every night at sitting at home and i just always loved looking at the game programs and the, and the media guides and stuff and so when i was in college i was like might be a good fit for me you know really? and so, so that's how you, i decided to go into public relations what what college you go to and you went, went did you go on a baseball scholarship or did uh, you go i went to a junior college first and junior then i went nice. to uh iowa state and uh okay got one at bat in two years there but it was an awesome two years you know, it's, <laughs> you know last two years of the big eight conference so we had you know it was it was a lot of fun i you know i spent most of my time catching the bullpens and and throwing batting practice but you know it was the greatest time ever and luckily for me one of the sports business classes that i took uh had a guy from the iowa cubs came in and, and spoke to our class about the business of baseball and i knew all about the iowa cubs they were a half hour away from ames and um you know i was a cubs fan too so that you know i knew well all about the iowa cubs and uh, i stayed after the class i asked them a few more questions and i knew they had an all-star game coming the next year and I just offered to help out if they needed another person, and, and he said, eh, why don't you come down to a game next week? And so I went down and, and spent a few innings with him talking about the business of baseball, and he said, hey, you know, we, we start our internships in January. And I said, well, I'm graduating in December. And he says, okay, and we'll be in touch. Wow. And, you know, it uh, ended up, you know, start of the year came around and called him to touch base and he said, give me a couple of days and called back and said, can you start next week? And there I was. So uh, that turned into 11 years with the Iowa Cubs. And uh, from there, had a chance to go work for the Baltimore Orioles for seven years. Okay. And then uh, did after, you go to the Baltimore? So did you, I'm sorry to interrupt, but did sure. you go from there? Uh, were you PR? Yes. Did you yeah. PR with the Iowa yep. Cubs? Or did you yeah. start, you know, as an intern I actually, and then with my, a focus on the broadcasting? Yeah. The, no, my internship was uh, group ticket sales. It was a way to get the foot in the door. You know, they didn't have a public relations internship, but they had group ticket sales. And I was like, well, uh, you know, I, I could probably sell baseball. Right. If you're passionate right. about it, you love it. Right. It's probably fairly easy to sell it. Uh, we, you know, and we did pretty well. And 
um you know after a couple of years the pr guy his wife got a job in chicago and he had to move and uh basically i just moved into the pr role and so i had nine years there with that and then went to baltimore to be the uh media relations manager there so um I think we lost 96 games my first year, and we won 96 my last year. So well, there we go. went from went from the outhouse <laughs> to the penthouse, I guess. But uh, so we, uh, but you know, after uh, seven years there, came down to minor league baseball five years ago now. So actually, my my first week working at minor league baseball was here at the winter meetings last time we were here. So it's uh, really kind of come full circle for me here, I guess. Well, the funny thing is, so you know, being from here five years ago, we were we came down as fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife's uh, my my wife's a, from from New York, so she mm-hmm. grew up a Mets fan. Um, I'm from San Diego. Mm-hmm. I'm a Padre fan, so yeah. we we came down here. We walked around as fans, and mm-hmm. you know we were the autograph seekers that were trying not to get caught. But I, <laughs> you know I used to work at the hotel, so I yeah, kind of yeah. knew the in and outs, and I knew enough to say hello to a few people mm-hmm. that they didn't they didn't you know we weren't autograph seeking, we were picture seeking. Yeah, um, actually, I came down with a with a mildly. Um, came down with my wife's friend, and she probably kill me for saying this in the podcast. But Michael Price, okay. Michael Price uh, has written for The Simpsons for 15 years. Mm-hmm. So when I saw uh, the Topes owner, I was like, I won't say anything. But yeah, <laughs> so we came, and he's a Mets fan. So he came yeah. down, and you know, he's from Jersey, and we just fanned out. Five years mm-hmm. later, I've we've had the podcast for two years, mm-hmm. and I'm here and as a an attendee. As mm-hmm. like, okay, mm-hmm. I. I I am not a really autograph guy. I'm a little bit older. I don't need yeah, yeah. anyone's autograph. But yeah. uh, and I, now that I have this badge on, I'm not asking for pictures. Yep, yep. And it, you know, it's funny. I am. Um, I wanted to get a picture with Peter Gammons. Oh, yeah. Anyone yeah. else can kick rocks. You know, yeah. it was like like Peter Gammons isn't going to be around for too much longer. And <laughs> you know, even yeah. for a West Coast guy, I uh, sure. I can appreciate that. So then you leave the Iowa Cubs, go to the Baltimore Orioles, mm-hmm. come in. Five years ago is when you were first. Were you director of minor league? Did yeah, did, yeah. Came in to be the director of communications for minor league baseball, and um, doing that for five years now. So, did um, did moving from Baltimore, you know, major league kind of uh, to the minor league? Was it was there any other reasons other than maybe more uh, like a raising pay or, or uh, whatever? You know well, what I mean? Was yeah, it, was, yeah. Was, I mean, there was. I don't want you to bad talk minor league baseball, but is it sure. more hectic? Is it more like? Well, what I found, you know, what I really loved about the job I had in Iowa was, you know, you're involved in so many different aspects of the organization. So I was the public relations director, but I also was the guy that at the end of the year I'd go through and see which pairs of pants, you know, game pants the players rip through and which ones can be repaired, which ones need to be replaced, (laughs) which jerseys, you know, the guy that wore number 12, would slide head first all the time and the front of his jersey's all shredded up right right you know, we need to replace that one uh i would book all the hotels the buses the flights um you know all of our team travel stuff and uh you know so really and, and in addition to that everybody sells in the minor leagues so yeah. you know my off seasons would be i'd spend one week doing travel stuff to get away from doing sales for ticket sales right and then you know the next week i would i would uh work on the uniforms and make sure we had everything ordered for the next season so they had plenty of time to get it to us um you know there's just so many different things you can do working in minor league baseball that keeps it fresh and keeps it exciting like every single day is different um when i went to the major leagues to work uh you know the staffs are much much bigger yeah um the duties aren't quite so spread out so 
basically all I did was game notes, media guide, the Orioles magazine, and player interview requests. So, you know, when it's late November, you know, and you're you're in, in your, you're already done with a bunch of stuff, and you're just kind of like, well, I guess I'll work on this because I don't have anything else to do, and you know that it just uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, there, there there were some great people I worked with there, and and obviously traveling around the big leagues is not a bad thing. It's a no, it's a pretty damn good time. But um, you know that the opportunity in Florida with minor league baseball came up, and it was a a very healthy raise. Um, you know, it was going from a manager position to a director position. Yeah. Yep. So it was a you know a uh, a step up the ladder, I guess you right. will. Right. Um, you know the fact that I got a salary increase, the cost of living in Tampa is way less than Baltimore or right. in the Mid Atlantic, right. and there's no state income taxes. So I'm like, well, I get, I'm getting technically three raises to move once. So and it doesn't snow. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't snow. And and uh, I actually had just got married, um, and my wife was a social worker. So she's got flexibility when it comes to moving, and uh, she ended up doing really well on the salary front with her job down there. So we both ended up getting three raises to move once, as we see it. And, you, and kids? Yeah, we have a three-year-old boy now. So Oh, okay. So you didn't have to move kids out of school? No, or nope, like Nope, we didn't have any kids at the time, and uh, that was a good thing. So he's a he's a switch hitter already at three. So oh, really? Not, you know, he I just to, swings at everything, though. Wow. <laughs> Well, I mean, you, I think you have the context to maybe work on that. We'll, we'll get it straightened out eventually. <laughs> <laughs> so, I know we're going to get up a tangent, and I, I hope just give me a time limit because I will talk no, and I'll get you to talk. Um, so, in St. Peter, is there a what's the team in St. Pete? What is Saint um, we've got the Rays, obviously the Tampa Rays minor league team. Oh, uh, we have the Clearwater Threshers, we're That's a Phillies minor league team. We have the Tampa Tarpons, our Yankees. That you, that are near you guys? What's that? That that you guys are in St. Pete. What's yeah. what's the closest minor league team in St. Pete? Uh, Clearwater, and then Dunedin is right there. Okay. They're right next to each other, and then Tampa's right. Basically, we have a nice little triangle of three teams, and then Bradenton's only about forty minutes south. Um, so we've we've got a, in Lakeland's, you know, forty five minutes straight east. So it's it's actually a great place to live if you're a baseball fan because yeah. you know spring training. These guys start having mini camps at. February 1st or whatever spring training goes through the end of March mm -hmm. then you have you know the baseball season for the minor leagues and you know that goes what 160 days or something like that and then the big league season goes another 20 or 25 days in September and then you have the the uh, Florida Instructional League that starts up Instructs, after yeah. you know late late September and you know I just love baseball so I'll, I'll take my son and go watch an Instructional League game like the only right. people that are there are scouts and right. families of the players. But, <laughs> you know, when a, when a foul ball goes bouncing across the parking lot, you know, and the, the players have to go get them. And my little son will just start running over to go get the ball, and he brings it back to the guys. And Okay, you know. does he have – is he old enough to ask for money? Because, like, I mean, who didn't grow up chasing foul balls in, in your little yeah. league, your older brother's plays, yep. you know, yep. uh, for like, okay, you got a sucker or like 75 cents for yeah. every foul ball. No, sometimes if the ball has a big cut on it or something, they'll just say, ah, you, keep you it. can keep it. Yeah. Keep it. But, so what team did you grow up liking, loving? Uh, Chicago Cubs. Oh, you're Cubs Yeah, yeah. We, you, still, you must be a Cubs fan. They're like in your oh, blood, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, We uh, grew up about three and a half hours from Wrigley Field, door to door by car. Um, when we were little, you know, my brother and I, if if we didn't have Little League games on a weekend, we'd go to Wrigley Field if yeah. the Cubs were at home. And 
um, you know, if, if the White Sox were home and that weekend and the Cubs were on the road, my dad say, hey, you know, the Royals are really good and they're, <laughs> they're in Chicago or whatever, you know. Do you want Do you want to go watch, you know, <laughs> Steve Balboni, you know, hit him on the roof at Comiskey or do you want to yeah. go, you know, and we would go into Chicago and, and watch games and it was just, it was awesome. And that's how my brother and I both fell in love with baseball and, yeah, you know, our family trips to Chicago were always a blast. How, um, how, how, God, you guys, 108 years, you know, I'm a Padre <laughs> fan. I'm born and raised here. Yeah. They're 50 years old and mm-hmm. I'm 50 years old and I've mm-hmm. never saw, a, I've seen a World Series trophy, yep. but it hasn't been the team that I followed. Yeah. yeah. Um, how how happy were you for those guys? And do you know anybody oh, that? Well, obviously you must know people that work in the obviously oh, yeah. players, yeah. but you know people that work in the front office that are friends of yours that you've known forever that yeah. finally get to taste that. I mean that's a huge thing. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's so exciting. Uh, you know, people that I knew from my time working in Des Moines. You know that that work in the, the ticket office in Chicago. Carrie Kernis. Um, you know she's worked for the Cubs for twenty five years or whatever, thirty years, and she finally got a chance to. She got a World Series ring. I mean, right. How cool is right. that? I mean, yeah. it, it's just, uh, you know, I couldn't imagine how cool it would be to get a World Series ring. Uh, yeah. From, uh, from a team that you love, you know, that would be the greatest thing ever. Um, but I actually went to all seven games of the World Series that year. Cause you did? Oh, I, I'm, I, I'm sure you called there in. There was no way I was going to miss that, so. <laughs> My my I, I, wife my wife was pregnant at the time and she goes uh, I'll meet you in the game it's the games in Chicago but I'm not going to Cleveland and she didn't want to take time off work right, and, right, and right. games in Chicago were right. on the weekend so she came up so uh, the pictures we have of my son my first my son's first trip to Wrigley Field he's still in he's still in, in the womb, womb so. yeah right <laughs> but uh, you know a couple months later uh, my old boss in Des Moines got his World Series ring and he was down in Tampa and. He's like, you got to see this thing. It's pretty awesome. That is fantastic. And, and my son was asleep in the stroller, and I took the ring and, and put it on his fingers, and, you know, three of his fingers fit into right. the, the thing. So he, it's like he's got this huge uh, rock on his hand. But, uh, you know, that that's pretty cool stuff, you know. And, and it is really cool stuff. Just I was very lucky to be able to go to all seven games and, and not end up in a divorce. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was good. It was fun. It was uh the thrill of a lifetime. I had a bunch of my friends that joined me, and you know, we drive back and forth between Cleveland and Chicago. And yeah, I think we snuck in a Vikings at Bears Monday Night Football game. Nice you know, on the off day of the series, so that was, <laughs> that was pretty good too. So we we made the most out of the the ten days. That's for sure. Do, does your wife like baseball? She likes going to the games. She, oh, okay. she doesn't like watching it on TV, but right. she enjoys going. And you know, we go to. The Clearwater games on yeah. Tuesday nights when it's two dollar beers, you know, and and uh, Friday night fireworks, stuff like that. You know, it's it's just a great family atmosphere a- and, and place to go. You know, and my son can go out on the hill in the outfield and do somersaults and roll down the hill and yeah. run back to the top and roll right back down. So in Lake Elsinore, we hit there's uh, the right field foul line. Mm-hmm. The kids roll down the hill. Yeah, yep. And then, you know, they chase the ball. It's mine, 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 mine. Yeah. I think everyone does that in minor league yeah, baseball. Right. Yep. Um, so, and I don't know if you're, you know, you're, I don't want to get in trouble, but <laughs> do you, as, as a Cubs fan, so you're still a Cubs fan, right? Oh, yeah. Do you go like, oh, Madden, why did you, or manager A or manager B or ownership A, why did you hire that guy or why, nah. you know, I know you have to probably be very, yeah, I mean, I, you tread that water lightly, yeah, but, yeah. When you, you know, but as a fan, you yeah, would think. When you 
have the opportunity to work in baseball um, and you see the ins and outs and what it takes to be successful mm -hmm. and you know there's a lot of those guys are really really smart people yeah. you know and and I had a chance to work with Buck Showalter for five years and see the level of preparation that he goes through and you're like man I can you can't second guess a manager after you've seen all of all that goes into what makes them make those decisions right you know and uh, when you've been that close to it it's you know I don't boo at games I don't right I don't really cheer you know I, I just watch and process it and you know it's that's good enough for me I don't need to Right, you know, it's. Uh, I just love watching baseball. Yeah, I, I can see. You know, it, it's funny as a, as a fan. They don't, people don't know. I'm like you. I mean, I you know I'm you, you, with social media these days, and and just having friends that are fans. Mm -hmm. You know, my my buddy's a lifelong Cubs fan, yeah. and you know he'll yell at the TV every time we watch a Cubs game. Or you know, I'll I never say this on the podcast. I never talk bad about the organization, but I'll yell at the TV. You know, when yeah. I'm watching because I'm a fan. You know, yeah. I'm a fan first, yeah. um, but I, I would suspect being that close and not only them being, you know, probably friends of yours or at least mm -hmm. strong sure. acquaintances sure. that you know that that choice that he made was the best choice, bringing in this bullpen guy right. or substituting that guy. Yeah. And, and and it's all the stuff that you don't know yeah. as a fan, you know, yeah. you don't know that, yeah, Chris Davis has struck out 16 times the last 24 at-bats. Well, he's also, you know nursing a sprained thumb that you know he hurt taking extra swings in the batting case trying to get out of that slump right and, right you know things like that that people don't see and they don't you know there's these guys are humans they're people right yeah and stuff happens yeah you know and that might you know affect your mentality for a few days if you're if your mom is sick you know like the Stephen Piscotti story where his mom was dying of cancer and the Cardinals traded him to the A's I mean we mentioned nobody knows that what Stephen Piscotti is going through with that. I was there. At the, I was there at the press conference. Mm -hmm. um, when I saw that move, I almost fell back in love with baseball, yeah. and it gives yeah. me chills about it right now. Yeah. Um, to like that is such a class act. I mean, yeah. and and I, you know, it's funny. I, I talked to one of the um, the Cardinals um, HR people that are hiring people for the people yesterday, mm -hmm. and um, I forgot to mention that to her, but I, I saw that. Um, that was just I love that about baseball. Yeah. The romance of sports, sure. um, but you know, so uh, yeah, you know, in, in the minor league baseball, and I got I got to tell my story. So real real quickly, and, and we'll get into the sure. kind of the nuts and bolts. And, and um, we were here just last uh, this last week of the season. Mm -hmm. We were actually going to we want to be host family, my wife and I. And so um, I scouted teams. My brother and my dad live about two hours west of Nashville. Mm -hmm. We. Uh, we were looking at teams in Tennessee, so we looked at the Appy League. So we looked at Elizabethton. We looked at Greenville. We looked at Johnson City. Mm -hmm. um, I think Bristol's a little bit farther away. Yep. So like, like, well, honey, we'll go to this Tuesday game. Well, they're playing the Reds, and then we'll go down here to Johnson City. Um, the Mets affiliate, Kingsport. Kingsport, Kingsport, yep. Kingsport. Like, you'll get to see your Meddies, and um, yeah. you know, we'll end up here, and we'll talk about them with their host family yeah. program. Yeah. Well, about two days before the uh, – before the and, Two days before their vacation, I even decided to call down there. And they're like, host a what? Do who? No, we don't have that. I'm sorry. Okay, hey, no problem. Hey, we'll call the next place. I, yeah. 
they don't have a host family in the Appy League. And yeah. my poor listeners, I've told this story to every minor league person I've been in the room with. Um, and, and, and so in one of those days, we ended up going to the Rome Braves, who do have a program. Yep. Lovely city, Rome. Uh, I stayed in Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. That night in Chattanooga, yeah. we, um, the next day we saw the game. Mm-hmm. That was a Sunday. They were, the Chattanooga Lookouts were playing the uh, Montgomery Biscuits. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to forget his name. Uh, Bregman. Breg- Bregman. Yeah, Bregman. Is the manager. Okay. It's, oh my God. I, I keep, yeah. um, Morgan Burkhart. Oh. Is the manager okay? Yeah, so he coached uh, at, at my university for one year, okay. And he was a Padre fan, so like we're sitting there's no one in the stands because it was a rain delayed game makeup. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. and I'm like, San Diego, He's like, what are you guys doing here? He came yeah. over and like you know, he yeah. came over and talked to us about three minutes while the guy warmed up and yeah. we told him our story. Um, went, you know, watched the game, went and did our rest of our day. Went to bed, woke up the next day, and we're both on Twitter looking at Twitter, and that's when the Blake Blevins uh, oh, yeah. news broke. Yeah. And and uh, I'll say this again. I've said this every podcast. I I was affected by it, mm-hmm. and I and I'm not I have no connection. Yeah. I have no connection to those teams. Right. Um, but just by having a minor league podcast that covers minor leagues that covers yeah. the whole kind of gambit, yeah. I I felt affected. Oh yeah, and that was a, that was a pretty horrible day. Um, I remember getting a call saying that, you know, they were going to cancel the game in Chattanooga. And, um, yeah, you're kind of like, why? Right. You know, it's it's not an airline league where their flight got delayed or something and they canceled the game in Fresno or somewhere. Um, and they said that, you know, the player's family had been killed. And we're just like, oh, boy, you know. And then you wonder who it is and all that. And it was just, you know. We didn't want to let that story get out and have him be named, yeah. you know, until, you know, give it as long as we could or let the Rays make that announcement. Um, but, man, that was a pretty terrible story. That, uh, I, I go to a lot of Rays games, and I know the, the PR staff there, and and they were, you know, that was not an easy one for those guys. No. Was, uh, you know, that and was to tough. Ha- and to have Morgan go there with him and spend the whole time yeah. making yeah. sure that he was yeah. – was okay and yeah. I mean I couldn't even imagine that that had to be the longest flight of his life or drive of his life yeah you know god but, yeah I, I just always and you know once again I've told this story five times on this podcast six times now mm-hmm. um but let's move on to some more funner stuff all right um which is going to be <laughs> where were we before I had to tell that story um going into okay so Let's just get. I know you're probably limited on time, and I really appreciate the time that you've given us. On, you're okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the big news is, and you guys really have no say in the minor league pay, mm-hmm. um, and that's and that's right. and that's fine. Mm-hmm. The um, the proposal with Major League Baseball with minor league baseball, mm-hmm. um, you know, just for just a casual fan, it puts a tape, bad taste in my mouth. But having this podcast and knowing what and having covered the pay of the players mm-hmm. and what minor league pays and what major league pays and what minor league affiliates, yeah. you know, have to have to have to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems incredibly callous of Major League Baseball to want to 
you know, sure they want to pay the players more, and we're all we're absolutely for that. We've had several people on, and and we know how much it takes, and you know how much it takes to be a minor league player. Um, But then, then to cut, you know, it's just like a business decision. You want to pay more money, you cut more you cut more employees. Find that money somewhere else, yeah. And it's, you know, it's. you know, Major League Baseball, is, it's an $11 billion a year industry now, and, and profits and everything are at an all-time high. And, you know, to me, there's plenty of money at you know mm-hmm. at that level to pay the minor league players a little more. And I think they know that. That's It's not a secret. Um, you know, it's it'd be unfortunate if they do try and go through with this because it, that costs 1,200 guys a dream. Yeah, you know, of playing in the big league someday, um, they want to you know cut the draft down to twenty rounds. Well, that's you know, the draft is their deal. They can do that if they want. But right. if you cut it to twenty rounds, you're taking away Kevin Kiermaier's chance. Mm-hmm. He was a thirty-first round pick. Yeah, and he started out in in short season ball, and he worked his way up and proved that he could do it. And he won a platinum glove a couple of years ago. He's a gold glover. Yeah. Um, you know, guys like that wouldn't get a chance anymore. Uh, Jose Altuve, you know, he spent three years in short season ball at age 17, 18, 19, whatever. And, no pun intended. And he was, yeah, and he was, he was like, you know, he was probably 5'4", 160 pounds when he started playing here. Right. You know, some guys are late bloomers and, you know, you got to give those guys a chance. And, and he's probably a top 10 or 12 player in the big leagues right now. Easy, you know. So how did uh, so you guys met with Major League Baseball on Friday, right? How did that meeting go? Uh, it was you know more of the same of what we've I guess had so far. Uh, I wasn't in the room, so I only know what they told me after the meeting. But um, you know, Major League Baseball has got some things that they're you know trying to stick to and want to stick to, and obviously there's some of those things that we don't want them to stick to. And right. um, to this point, you know, the the discussions had been fairly contentious but uh the dialogue was from what i'm told you know much improved this time around and and they're looking at solutions you know more than you know pointing fingers and and, right you know claiming one thing and us claiming another you know that's not productive it's no you got to get to the table be face to face and and work on a deal that's beneficial and satisfactory for both sides it's it's gonna take a while but you know we we like to think we have confidence that we'll eventually get it done you know and that's um it's negotiations just yeah. like a, yep. you know for for an agent to a major league team right. or yep. in any business sure. it's always like come with your hard line mm-hmm. and then work your way in the middle it's, it's kind of yep. like yep you know, watching a law be made, they always say, "Don't ever watch, uh, you know, a bill yeah. be put into Congress because it's like it's like sausage." You're like, whoa, that's cool. You don't want to see how. How can you cut? Yep. How could you cut? You know, this out of the. You know, you don't want to mm-hmm. see it. But some there's a there's a saying I think in Congress where it's like the bill needs to be done on Friday. It's like Friday morning. It's when you see the work get done. Yeah. And and are you hoping to get this? Um, you know. Are you hoping now that this next meeting is gone, it's gone a little bit lighter? And I know negotiations may not be linear, but do you think that as you get closer that there will be some movement? Maybe the language hasn't been so as yeah, been a I little mean, more positive. But Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's been progress being made. Um, it's, 
not enough to, you know, nothing's being finalized or signed off. You know, the both sides need to go to their their uh, their sides, you know, and, right. and their party and report to them. And um, yeah, but yeah, like you said, it's a it's a standard business negotiation. I mean, it, it, that's what it is, and and companies negotiate deals like this daily it's just yeah. this one has to do with baseball yeah and and that's why people care um you know unfortunately the the list of teams ended up getting leaked and that put it out there um you know baseball america wrote an article and new york times followed it up and yeah. and at that point everybody knows about it yeah um you know you never want to negotiate through the media of course but the fact is it the list got out and you know, it's just a matter of trying to, to get it back on track and get everybody back at the table and figure out the issues and, and the solutions. You know, it is, uh, and, and the language in, the language has been pretty polarizing in the press. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I read the article from J.J. Um, Cooper, yeah. and both sides seem to be, like, really putting up that wall. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping, and we're hoping that that language has kind of softened. Mm-hmm. Maybe in the next round of um, you know articles that come out from from people, some of the interviews that have been done, mm-hmm. um, is is there you know um, so is there in the article they mentioned that perhaps minor league baseball was open to some some contraction? No. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we uh, are. Only goal is to have 160 minor league teams in 2021. That's okay. what our side. I mean, you know the the key issues are pay or play mm-hmm. or player pay, which they control. You know they they can afford to pay those guys more. Yeah. Um, facility standards. Okay. None of our 160 ballparks right now are non-compliant with the current standards. So if they're saying these facilities need to be upgraded. Well, tell us what they need to be upgraded to. Right. You know, what's wrong in Clinton? What's wrong in, in Lexington that put them on the list? Our Tri-Cities, that, our guys in Tri-Cities, Tri-Cities right. yeah. So until we know what they deem as being inadequate, we can't fix it. So yeah. once, you know, I think that's one of the things that the two sides are trying to get together on more is what are the standards going to be? And give us then, t- then right. we'll know how much it's going to cost. We'll know how much time it's going to take. Yeah. And we can, you know, we'll work on it. We're, yeah. We know that there's some facilities that are better than others. And it's not that hard to figure out which ones we're talking about. Right. Um, you know, but it's, it's you know, uh, you know one of the, the things it's the geography, too, is the other one. You know, some yeah. of our leagues have really spread out where, um, you know, the South Atlantic League is probably the best example of this where it's a bus league. And you have a team down in Augusta, Georgia, a team all the way up in Lakewood, New Jersey, a team all the way out in Charleston, West Virginia, and a team all the way down in Rome, Georgia. And then in between that, you have the rest of your league, but there's also the Carolina League in that mix. There's a New York Penn League in there. Yeah. Like, we're, we're crossing two or three leagues to play games in one league. Well, we can realign these leagues and make it so that I mean, really, you could probably make it where nobody has more than a four-hour bus ride. Okay. And that's that's what they want to see. You know, they want guys sleeping in beds, not buses. Okay. And we have no objection to that. We've realigned leagues before. Um, 
we've got people in our office that are making maps for realignment as you speak daily. Right. I mean, right, we're, right. We're coming up with new ideas and new new places to set teams. You know that um, you know we want to make it as easy as we can for everybody. You know, right. We don't want players sleeping on the floor of buses. Nobody wants that. Um, so you know we're willing to work on it. It's you know we just don't want to give up any of our teams, and that's the stance we're taking. And, and rightfully so, because I, I you know there could be a cause for saying that if you do if you take away one team, yeah, that's going to devalue yeah the franchise. If you can take away the PBA from any franchise, that devalu- that devaluates. Mm-hmm. And then if you take away forty two, that 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 cuts. That's well, just that creates a. It's crazy. Yeah, and it's not just those forty two. Or those forty, it's five years from now. Is it going to be down to ninety? Yeah. Or yeah, ten years from now, will we be down to sixty? Yeah. Like we don't know where it stops. Now, the one thing that all of this talk and all this news has created is, you know, towns that were talking about building a ballpark or spending money on a renovation. All that money's been pulled back now, and and it's really kind of crippling our ability to. To, move to make forward. renovations and, yeah. and get some of these places up to par, um, so that's that's been an unfortunate consequence of all this. But um, you know, like I said, we, we're we're doing everything we can to save all 160 teams in the current markets where they're at. You know, we talked to the Brandios guys last night, mm-hmm. and um, oh, great, those guys are great. Yeah. Oh my God, they were great. Um, but they have teams that want to rebrand, that that want mm-hmm. to do stuff, and they're like. They've all, they're all, yeah. they have to wait. Yeah. Um, it, you know, and it seems such a, like an easy fix. It, it it seems like they're making, you know, the the big guy, once again, it's the Goliath mm-hmm. making David have to be creative, yeah. making David have to take, you know, it's the big guy beating down the little guy. Exactly. And, and you could argue, I say this with all due respect, billionaires arguing with millionaires, mm-hmm. But we're talking about communities. We're talking right. about jobs. We're talking about fan engagement. Yep. Like how many? Yeah, it's. What'd I you mean, do before major league? You went running around minor league ball clubs. Exactly. Um, and in the major league, you know, I, I thought about this long and hard. And I'm not a smart guy, believe me. If you listen <laughs> to the podcast, you'd be like, God, I can't believe I'm talking to this guy. It would be point zero zero one percent of a major league team's budget mm-hmm. to allocate every year. For improvements on a minor league, uh, on your minor league affiliates, right. sure they move around, sure they do not. But if yeah. it's if it's all kind of like that, okay, this year Team A, you know they need they need a little more help over here. Well, yeah. Shovel a little bit money that way. Mm-hmm. This team over here yep. doesn't need that much. They seem to be good right now. Right. So my answer to that is, you know, we pay an eight percent ticket tax to yeah. Major League Baseball. Yeah. This year, that amount was twenty million dollars. Now, we don't know where that money goes. You know, that's we agreed to that deal, and and that's so we pay it, right? Yeah. Um, but over the last ten years, now that ticket tax money has equaled one hundred and sixty-three million dollars. Why not take that twenty million dollars a year and say, okay, these, you know, these ten ballparks need uh, to break out a wall in their clubhouse and expand it and add another. You know, 10, 15 square feet or yeah, whatever. whatever. Right. Yeah, I mean, make it make it big. Add, a, add 100 square feet or whatever right. you know, whatever they need. <laughs> right. And and that money could be used for something like that. Now, this that's just my opinion, but, you know, do they really need 
does Major League Baseball really need that $20 million when they're an no. $11 billion a year industry? Exactly. Turn that money around. Let the, let the teams apply for, you know, a, a use grant and say, you know what, we want to, you know, we need a new playing field or we need to build a new indoor batting cage room or a new, we want to build a new weight room or whatever. And let's use some of that money for that. You know, and that and that seems like a, a real simple fix, mm-hmm. and you're not you're not raising prices because one of the great things about minor league baseball is I can go buy an eighteen dollar ticket and sit in the second row, you first row, sit in the dugout for that much. Pretty much, well, <laughs> <laughs> um, you can sit right. You're so close to the game, um, and, and a lot of things that happen in in government, they have a super fund, mm-hmm. so like to clean up toxic waste. Yep, um, yep. That's one of the that, you know that's one of the things that Major League Baseball is saying. We're like, if you want to have our players, we want you to spend money on a better weight room. Mm-hmm. Our team's open to doing improvements oh, yeah. that don't make the money like 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 Elsinore. Yeah, and, and there are it's my home team. That's my hometown minor league team. We love them, mm-hmm. but they'd rather spend money in this rightfully so on improving a section of their stadium so they can generate revenue mm-hmm. that would generate marginal amount of money, not mm-hmm. tons, yeah. but up to, you know, a little bit. Now, I don't know none of the numbers, but instead of putting in for the weight room. So mm-hmm. um, our, our A minor league teams, because I think the major league teams should pay for that anyway, mm-hmm. as a part of this whole restructuring that we're figuring yeah. out right here. I mean, we should just yeah. bring them in now. <laughs> um, are teams willing to do something like well, that where they, the, they could? Yeah, part of the thing that complicates that is that as the agreement sits now, no one didn't. Um, no the one's major league teams can't pay for a new weight room if they, you know, because it's giving preferential treatment. You know, it's it's considered a an additional perk, and so they, they don't. For example, the Yankees are filthy rich. Everybody knows that. Right. Everybody would want to be a Yankees affiliate if the Yankees could pay for everything, right? Okay. I mean, so then, the Rays, who don't have a ton of money, they would get the last pick in every league that they were in. Right. Um, so you don't want – you can't really have the, the major league team offering to pay for that kind of stuff because whoever has the newest ballpark, the teams are just going to be moving around all the time right. and you don't have any continuity. Um, so that kind of makes it different. Uh, but, you know, the, the whole, uh, you know, where you're spending the money um, – you know, if if Lake Elsinore is making, say they make three hundred thousand dollars a year, I don't know what they make a year. Right, could be less, could be more. Right. Um, you know, if the if they need to put new seats in, in into two sections or something because they're old and worn out, well, that costs fifty thousand dollars. That comes out of that three hundred, and then you know they need to do a little construction on a new concession stand. Yeah. Because they're having more people that want to go stand down the left field line and and gather out there and and have a little social area, right? Where you're not sitting in a seat all night. Um, you've got to cater to those fans. Yeah, you've got to. It's the fan experience is what keeps people coming back. The fan experience doesn't include uh, making the training room in the home right. clubhouse 200 more square feet. Right. So they got to pick and choose. You know, are we going to do something that? makes our fan experience a little better or is it gonna you know we're we gonna spend this on something that nobody will ever get to use other than the players and, and that's 
an unfortunate part of it, but that's that's you know it's the way it is. These yeah, you know these teams aren't making a million dollars where they can just you know you got to budget for a few years if you're going to do a major renovation in a lot of these places. Yeah, and that fifty thousand dollars spent on the renovation is you know ten eight, ten jobs. Yeah, yeah. like like those are ten yeah. people. That, you know, it's funny because being at Lake Elsinore. Uh, and talking to those guys, and, and they're like, "Yeah, school just started." Mm-hmm. That's why the lines down the wall. You know, that's why the line is so long yeah. because all the high school kids that work there for the for the summer yeah. are back to school now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and which can you know with snowballs effect like ah, we never go, we never eat after the second inning because it's just it's yeah. too long. You know, yeah. we do that in the major league team. We don't want to miss the game, but yeah. and there's there and there's room in that language that could. That could, you know, like every major league team has to put this much money, mm-hmm. has to, um, has to do it. And it comes into a grant system. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's a, a cap or even a minimum where everyone doesn't want to work for a Yankees affiliate. Mm-hmm. You know, or everyone, you know, is running away from being a, a Rays affiliate. Yeah. Um, there has to be some kind of way that, that Major League Baseball sees that. Now, I know yeah. they don't see it that way. Yeah, and, that, and now that's where that ticket tax money could be very useful for stuff like this. You know, you, you talk about Elizabeth in Tennessee, you know, that community, the Minnesota Twins, that their clubhouse there was tiny. I mean, it was the smallest one I think I've ever seen. We've seen, it, not, not to pick on a team, but I've seen pictures, and it's a, it's a, yeah. it's, Maybe a JUCO yeah, high school yeah, field, or yeah, and you know they needed the city to come up with some money to renovate that stadium to keep because the Twins said, "Hey, if you know, we need this facility to be a little better. You know, we're not asking for a lot, but we need a new clubhouse. Let's make the old home clubhouse be the visiting side because if if you see how small the home side is, you know the visiting side's even smaller, right? So, <laughs> um, you know, it, it was going to be a, a I think it was a million dollar renovation that they did there, and you know the twins kicked in some money um, because the twins own that team. So, yeah, it's the twins. Um, but you know, for the city of Elizabethan, they had to decide: do we want to keep the twins here and keep them happy and spend a million dollars on a renovation of O'Brien Field, or should we renovate, use that money to renovate the police station? And Baseball means enough to that city, and they understand the importance of it there. That they pushed off the police station, pro, uh, you know, renovation yeah. to keep baseball in Elizabethan. That's the kind of uh, commitment these towns have made. So when you hear about Elizabethan being on a hit list, you know, that's just that's horrible. It's a mean, punch in the face. Yeah, yeah. It's a punch in the face. Yeah. And Elizabethan uh, has been there forever. Oh, yeah. Um, there's a, a, a – I play in a rec league on Sunday, and when I told one of my teammates uh, who was a pitcher for us um, that I was going to go to Elizabethan, he's like, oh, I played there. Yeah. I'm like, and he's like 60 years old. Like, he played there like 80, I think 78 or like 80. He played there a long time ago. I'm like, yeah, we're good. that's our plan to go. We ended up go- not going because of you know, the host family. Um you know, it, it, we can sit here all day and, 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 and argue this, and not argue the point, but we can solve this problem between between good ideas. Um, but it takes that the solving takes a two way street, and and with both sides being so, you know, entrenched in their position. Obviously, I'm we're I'm on the side of good. 
I, I, I don't want to lose an affiliate yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, but with every with every negotiation, there has to be a, um, a meeting in the middle. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and you know that's we understand that we you know we certainly realize that to us the meeting in the middle starts with 160 teams. Okay. We don't want to come off of that. Um, they obviously want it to be 120, but there's got to be other aspects of the PBA that, you know, maybe we increase the ticket tax. We keep the 160 teams, but maybe now we pay 10 or 11%. Who knows? I, I'm just throwing that well, out there. Right, you know, right, right. It's just me. Let the money people worry about yeah, the percentage. I mean, but I, you know, and I don't even know if they're talking about that or not, but it, it seems to me like there's there's so many aspects to the PBA, whether it's realignment or, you know, uh, how long commuter trips can be. Mm -hmm. You know, so if, if uh, two teams that are 75 miles apart, they bo they go back and forth every day to play them. They don't spend the night there. You yeah. Know? Um, there's a lot of things that you know you can change in the PBA and say, you know what, uh, we're going to make commuter trips if it's more than 50 miles to that city. You know, we're gonna you got to get a hotel. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, there's there's plenty of places where both sides can probably make some concessions, and you know, and if it's a an increase in one thing and a decrease in another, as long as we keep 160 teams, I think that's our goal. Well, I hope that's the case, yeah. because uh, you know, uh, I you know I, I'm on the side of minor league baseball, although I'm a major league baseball fan, and I sure. and as as a fan of both, um, mm -hmm. I I, I want to see. There'd be a solution. I think everyone wants to see a solution, yeah. but I want to see a solution that that doesn't affect the the little guy. I you know I, I grew up with a lot of the poor, so I, I always I'm always fighting for the poor. Um, I don't know what that means, any any stretch of imagination, but it just it's trivial how Major League Baseball is doing this, mm -hmm. and um, they need to see the light of day because they're really kicking, really shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. Um, you know, are, are stubbing their own toe on their own tree. Yeah. Um, by by doing this because it's going to disengage a whole bunch of people. Right. It's going to not just the affecting the communities' mm -hmm. lives in in cities where what there's twenty thousand twenty thousand people maybe in Elizabethton maybe mm, probably not that maybe right yeah. like twelve thousand yeah. people like I've been to some yeah. of these minor league cities where they're small like that yep. and and it's huge yeah. it, it's and it's huge in, in environment where in Tennessee there's a whole group of Twins fans that will probably never go to a Twins game. Games, but right. they'll follow because they saw yeah. um, they saw Joe Maurer play in Elizabeth right you know, and, and that's Tim Kabuda is a kid that got drafted out of UCSD mm -hmm. um, from the twins who I know played in Elizabeth several years back but I yeah. worked for UCSD yeah you know that's uh, these 42 teams have over 14 million people yeah. in those markets and if you take away those teams you're basically cutting off baseball exposure to baseball for those 14 million people um you know if you're trying to grow the game and and you're trying to keep uh, little johnny jones right. in in billings montana right. you want to keep him a baseball fan and a fan of the reds because they've been a reds affiliate for 50 years or whatever it is yeah you know if you take the billings mustangs away that little kid his closest baseball pro baseball team is probably Seattle Mariners or the 
Colorado Rockies. And those are decades, you know, those are just light years away. Well, yeah, that's that's a family vacation to go right. to see a game there. You can't, you just can't do right. it all the time. Um, whereas he can go to, you know, the ballpark and, and Billings and then go to two games a week probably if he wants. Yeah. And see Hunter Green pitching one of those, you know, yeah, where he yeah, was there. Yeah, I mean, you go and you you see those guys and you fall in love with the game and, and that's what we'd be missing if we if baseball gets taken out of these 42 cities. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and they do want to grow the game. So one, one less trip to London or, or a little less money spent. And, and, and I hate to bring it back to America, but this is what we're talking about, minor league baseball that feeds these, you know, they're spending a lot of money and letting the kids play in other, in other countries and other markets, mm-hmm. um, yet neglecting their market at home, which is a real kick in the foot. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... And I'll leave it at I'll leave it at that because I know I need to let you go, and we can talk about this all day, yeah. Jeff. I'm I'm I can't express um, my gratitude and appreciation no for for you letting us come here, sure. um, for uh, bringing them back to San Diego, my hometown. <laughs> we we you know I mean we'll be back in a few really. Years. I mean, <laughs> yeah, just, everybody uh, everybody involved loves coming here. It's you know you got the great ballpark to have our our. Uh, gala tomorrow night and you know the the two hotels are close enough together that you know if we need to go over to the the Hyatt for some meetings with Major League Baseball it's 15 minute walk or 10 minute walk whatever it is and the convention center is a great spot for our trade show and yeah um, it's it's a really good fit here there's great restaurants here and yeah and just there's a lot going on a lot to do so it's uh we love coming to San Diego and we'll be back well thank you so much thank you for having me